want to welcome you back this morning. I hope that you've had a wonderful week and uh, God is blessing you in a tremendous way. And family of grace, uh, we're so excited to be part of our city and what God's doing and how we're able to impact our city. Many of you engage each week in our television ministry and we're so thankful for that. And we want to say thank you for believing in us. Thank you for your support, the information you're giving back and forth to us. And if there's any way that we can be a blessing to you, please let us know. I hope this message will speak to your heart today. I am glad today that we have the message of hope. How do we be ambassadors of hope? How do we infect the city? How do we infect our workplace? How do we infect the world with the good news of Jesus Christ? You have to have, Christ has to have all of you. As we've gone through this sermon series on the death of selfie, it's been in three stages. First of all, it was the death of me. Then we went through several weeks on the life of me, which if you, God has the death of you and you under, He understands the life of you, then He will end up having all of you. And when God has all of you, you don't love God for what He's doing, you love Him for what He's already done. Well, man, y'all missed that one. I'm going to come back with it. All right, here it comes. You ready? When you, when God has all of you, you don't love him for what he's doing. You don't love him because you just got a new job. You just got a new car. You just got a new baby. Your marriage was just, you don't love God for what he's doing. You love him for what he's already done on the cross of Calvary. You love him for the finished work of Calvary. Today, it's all about what can God do for me. Look, God's already done all that he ever needed to do for you. He's given you a way to escape. He's given you life. He's given you hope. And when God has all of you, if what's going on in your life at the moment isn't something to jump up and and wave your pom-poms around, your pom-poms of hope about, it doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change where you are. It doesn't change where you're going. The God who redeemed you, who saved you, who sanctified you, you who sealed you is still in the rightful place of service there is no catastrophe in this world that can unseat the godhead in the cosmos that can upset the father and the son and the holy spirit God is working. God is moving. I know circumstances are bad. I know circumstances may mess you up. Circumstances will depress you. Circumstances will make you want to take your life. Circumstances will make you want to take somebody else's life maybe. But I want you to know that there is a God who loves you in the midst of the circumstances. Today we think our circumstances are so bad. I was reading online a report of where ISA has come in and taken over another area. And the UN is retreating and ISIS is going around and they're finding Christians. And they're asking their children, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And these children are saying yes. And they're being executed in front of their parents. This isn't on TV. This isn't a Stephen King thriller. This is real life. People are saying, God, you have all of me. If I'm living, you have all of me. If I'm dying, you have all of me. How do we get there? We've been on this journey. I thought and I thought and I prayed and I prayed. And I was like, God, what is the, where did you start? How did Paul, you know, because this whole sermon's been about Paul. How did Paul get to the place in his life 
where he was willing to say, God, have all of me. Jesus, have all of me. Where, where was he influenced for the first time? Now, we know on the road to Damascus, his life was radically changed when he became a believer of Jesus Christ. But, Lord, where did it start? And I thought about this passage of Scripture in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, look with me, if you will, in your Bible. You know this story very familiar. In Acts, it's so interesting of what God is doing here. In Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 6, they elected some deacons. One of them was named Stephen. They moved forward, and I want to read the scripture, and then we'll work backwards. Acts 6, 7, and 54. When they had heard these things, they were enraged in their hearts. They gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, filled by the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, and he saw God's glory. With Jesus standing at the right hand of God... And he said, look, look, I see the heavens. I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then they screamed. Well, we got a lot of that screaming today. Isn't that true? I mean, the world around us, if you mention Yahweh, if you mention Jesus Christ, they're okay if you mention God because God could be very generic. But you mention Jesus Boy, it stirs them up. You mentioned the Word of God, it stirs them up. I mean, just this week, look what happened in Houston. Preachers preaching the Word of God stirred up a mayor because her lifestyle was contrary to what these guys were preaching. It stirred, It makes them want to scream. I love the post that I saw this week. Dear atheist, why do you, if God doesn't exist, why do you spend so much time trying to prove He doesn't exist? If he doesn't exist, why do you spend so much time trying to keep me from praying to a God who doesn't exist? If he doesn't exist, it doesn't matter. I'm just wasting my time. Why does it bother you so much? And so while they begin to scream at the top of their voices and they stop their ears and they rush together against him and they threw him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They were stoning Stephen as he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with these sins. And saying this, he fell asleep. Fell asleep. Fell asleep with rocks crashing against his skull. Rocks beating against his body. He fell asleep it's to say he had been on a long day's journey and he just dropped back into a big feather bed and fell on a feather pillow and fell asleep wow i believe this is where saul's life began to be radically changed saul who on the road to damascus became paul the guy that we've been talking about this was when he came in contact with a, with a believer in Jesus Christ who understood what it was for God to have all of him. Stephen said, Lord, you have all of me. Therefore, if they want to stone me, I will not run off. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 6 and all of chapter 7, it's the address of Stephen. I mean, they began to bear false witness against Stephen. They began to say he was saying things. And Stephen, at that point, he could have been like many believers. 
and just morphed into whatever the culture said. I read an article yesterday that just broke my heart. Hillsong out of Australia, one of the most moving uh, groups of modern Christian music, has churches, they're planting churches all over the place. When asked about their view of what the Bible says about the issue of homosexuality this week, they basically said, we will get back to you. The Vatican this week is coming and saying, we, we, we're, 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 we're adjusting our view on the scripture. Now, now culture, we, we go to the word of God to direct our culture, not to the culture to direct our view on the word of God. Now, Stephen found himself in a transitional culture. Understand that Judaism was the prevailing religion at that point. And everybody was Jews. It's kind of like being in South Louisiana. Everybody's Catholic. They were all Jews and these guys began to turn and go a different direction. And it was stirring up all of the city and all of the people around. And Stephen could have cowered and said, well, we're going to, we'll, how can we make this message culturally relevant? You remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked at where Peter tried to make the message culturally relevant to, relative to the church of Galatia. And the Bible says that when Paul came in contact with him, he withstood him face to face and said, boy, what you do is not right. You're preaching one message to one group and another message to another group. I believe that if your pastor, no matter where you are or what church you attend, if you're watching at home and your pastor, if his message can't be preached around the world, if it can't be preached in different cultures, if it can't be preached to different races, he's not preaching the whole true counsel of the Word of God. It's a tailor-made, culturally relevant sermon that fits people where they are. I want you to know that... The Holy Spirit is the seamstress. He will tailor make the message to fit the people, to fit the race, to fit the time, to fit the demographic. As you're breaking through those cultural barriers, the Holy Spirit will tailor make it. He will size it up that it will fit them where they are. So how did Stephen survive this? How did Stephen die with how did he live with integrity how was he able to be persecuted with integrity how was he able how was he able to die with integrity and how was he able to infect a young impressionable boy or young man named Saul with the dying I'm gonna tell you when somebody dies you you, you never get it out of your mind you never I'm not even talking about somebody being martyred. I'm talking about pictures of death. You never get it out of your mind. When you're, when you're holding somebody's hand and you're, you're, you're praying them as they're leaving, praying over them as they're leaving, when you woke up on, upon an accident, uh, the other day I was driving down the interstate and there was a, a, a fatality on the interstate. I, I, I drove past that, I drove past there yesterday and I just had the images in my mind. You never get rid of it. So how did someone who delighted in persecution, how did someone who thrived in persecution like Saul did, how did he become infected with the message of hope? Because he ran into a boy that he was killing who not only lived with hope, who not only persecuted with hope, but who died in hope. 
I'm telling you that it drives people crazy. It drives people crazy who are martyring Christians, how they will not renounce their faith and they will die for their faith. They will die for it. It drives them crazy. It drives them crazy. The persecutor. Because they know whom they believe in and the person that they believe in is not a person who changes. His love doesn't change. He's timeless. So what were the things that were different about Stephen? Well, Stephen had a different view upon the world. And he viewed the world differently through different lenses than everybody else. You see, first of all, Stephen looked Stephen looked upward. Look at it in your verse there. I mean, he preached a word to them. Boy, they would have subpoenaed, they basically subpoenaed this sermon and they skipped the trial. They skipped the the judge, they skipped the executioner. I mean, they, they didn't skip the executioner, they skipped the judge and went straight to the executioner. You know, just yesterday I read an article. You know, there's been a lot of controversy where uh, bakers wouldn't bake a cake for someone of same-sex marriage or, or uh, uh, a florist wouldn't do that and they end up losing their business. Uh, yesterday I heard about a city that was in the process of arresting a pastor because he wouldn't, he wouldn't arrest, he wouldn't marry somebody of the same sex. And I thought, well, why didn't they come arrest me when I wouldn't marry somebody who was unwilling to quit living together? I mean, I've turned a lot of people away that I've not married in my 18 years of ministry. See, that's the thing. We're obsessed with one detail. It's, look, it's not about just taking people who are struggling with one issue and, 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 and refining it. But the church has forced that because we have become okay with people who Want to break all the other sins. But oh man it's this bad one right here. How do we stay relevant. When the world's trying to make us irrelevant. You have to have an upward view. You have to have a view that you view everything in the world. Upward you look upward before you look downward. And Stephen right here in these verses, look with me if you would. Go back to verse 57 and see what it says right here. As these dots are of 54. When he heard these things, they were enraged in their hearts. They gnashed their teeth. But Stephen, but Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit. There's the first thing. The only way you're going to continue to be an ambassador of hope is that you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't be faking it. I mean, look, you can, go all, you can go to all the classes you want to learn how to speak in tongues. You can go to all the classes you want to learn how to have the gift of healing. But without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, ruling in your life, reigning in your life, you don't have much dynamite. You don't have much dunamos. You don't have much power. And it says that he was filled with the Spirit. How do I know he looked upward? Because my Bible tells me he did. He gazed up into heaven. And you know what he saw? What did he see? He saw Jesus. He saw Jesus in heaven. He saw God's glory with Jesus. You remember the glory that no man could look upon? You remember Moses wanted to see? He said, show me your glory. And he said, no man can see my glory and live. It says he saw God's glory with Jesus standing at the right hand of God. 
Now, every other verse that talks about this picture of heaven, it says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. What does that mean for you and I? Well, let me put it to you this way. It's like when you're sitting on the edge of your seat and all of a sudden they kick that football and it comes to the returner. And he starts making his way through the bodies. And all of a sudden, he goes past the 20, past the 30, past the 40. He's to the 50. Oh, no, he's to the 60. He could go all the way. And all of a sudden, you're on the edge of your seat. And you're standing up. And you're saying, go, 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 go. Blood makes the grass grow green. Kill, kill. You'll get that a little bit later. You know what I'm talking about. You go from just sitting there. Oh, no, I missed it. I was on the phone. Let me rewind and watch it again. I'm telling you that when Stephen stood up and he said, you bunch of stiff-necked rebels that have killed the prince of life. I'm telling you, he got the attention. Jesus was sitting there at the right hand of the Father and all of a sudden, it was just like he was at the 10. He was at the 20. And then when he didn't back down, he stood up a little more courageous. It was like he was at the 50. And then all of a sudden, Jesus knew where this was heading. And he looked at Stephen. And I'm telling you what was happening is that when the child of God was engaged in the word of God and engaged in the work of God for the will of God, it got the attention of the Son of God. And I am telling you, my brothers and sisters, that what I believe with all of my heart is that Jesus rose up off of his throne. He was standing at the right hand of the Father. I believe he was giving him a standing ovation. I believe that he was applauding Stephen on and and Stephen saw it because he had an upward vision. He had a vision that looked to heaven and said, Heaven, how should I react on earth? Stay with me. I'm getting this is getting to be good preaching here. He looked to heaven and said, Heaven, how should I, heaven, what should I do on earth? Lord, Lord, let your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. I mean Stephen was, was living what he had been preaching. There was no hypocrisy in his life. He had heard about the model prayer. And he said heaven what should I do on earth? Oh not, 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 not should I hire me a, 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 somebody to go out. and A publicist. Not should I hire somebody to smooth this out. He didn't need a lawyer on earth. Because he had a father in heaven. Okay, here it is. He had an upward view. Now, before you can ever know what to do on earth, here's what happens. If you have an upward view, then what happens is it automatically, when you view upwardly, it automatically reflects back inwardly. Stay with me. Because before you can look upward and know what to do outwardly in this realm, in this world, you've got to first let the light reflect back and shine in your heart. Are you with me? I'm not making this up. It says that Stephen gazed up into heaven that he saw God's glory. He saw Jesus Christ standing there, standing at the right hand of the Father. The only place in the Word of God that it says Jesus was standing at the right hand of the Father. Stephen saw that. What did it do to Stephen? Look with me if you would right here real quickly. I'm going to show you exactly what it did to him. It motivated him so much that he said, 
Look, I see the heavens open up. I see Jesus. And they began to scream at the top of their ears. And they rushed him and they threw him out of the sea. And they began to stone him. And the witnesses laid down their robes at Saul's feet. And here it is. You ready? Verse 59. They were stoning Stephen as he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He didn't cry out, Lord, make it stop. He didn't cry out, Lord, deliver me from these wicked people. He didn't cry out like David, Lord, punch them in the mouth. That's my paraphrasing of David's prayer in the book of Psalms. He didn't cry out like Nehemiah, Lord, lay hands on them and jerk their hair out. Because what he saw when he looked upward infected him inward. And he realized that everything he had outwardly couldn't dare to compare to what he had upwardly. Stay with me. Before Jesus can ever have all of you, you've got to have an upward view that will infect your inward view and how you see yourself, what you need to do in your life. And once you gain an upward view that infects your inward view, he will have all of you. Because you will see Jesus for who he is. You for who you are. And God for what he can do. See, an upward view will infect your inward view. It will infect. In fact, it'll become infectious. And you will view inwardly. When you see Jesus for who he is, you for who you are, you can't help but have a life-changing experience. Now, if you see religion for who they are, if you see church for who they are, you'll probably continue to sit there at home and never... Get off your couch. You, I mean, you're loving this internet church, amen? You're loving TV church. You just say, I got it good right here. I got my chips. I got my coat. I'm telling you, but if you ever get to the place on your sofa that the Holy Spirit of God lets you have an upward view of Jesus and who he is and what he's done for you and what he wants to do through you, it will infect your inward view that will then infect your outward view. Let me wrap this up. Stephen looked upward and he saw Jesus for who he was. When he saw Jesus for who he was, he saw him for who he was. It affected the way he prayed. And he said, Jesus, just receive my spirit. Just take me on home now. And it changed the way he viewed the people who were throwing rocks at him and crushing his skull. Beating his ribcage with boulders. Look at what he said in verse 60. Father, Lord, please don't do this to them. Please forgive them. He knelt down. Now, I don't know what position he may have been in. He may have been standing there. They may have been throwing the rocks at him. He may have been laying there. I'd have probably been laying there. Rocks pounding him. I mean, 
But whatever position he was in, whether he was laying and mustered up enough strength to kneel or standing and fell to his knees, he knelt down and he cried out with the loudest voice he had. And he said, Lord, please don't charge me. Please don't charge them with this. Please don't charge them with this sin. And saying that, he just went to sleep. Wow. When you get the right upward view, you will have a right inward view. And then it will affect your outward view. Today, no matter where you are or what you're doing, What's God wanting to do in your life? I read that article last night. About 10 o'clock. And I had tears just began to roll down my face. And I said, Lord, you know, how? How can a child say, I believe in Jesus. And a mom and dad watch their children be executed in front of them. And be okay. And I thought about my message today. Because they have the right upward view. That has changed their inward view. That has now affected their outward view. See, the Bible doesn't call us to judge people. But he did call us to inspect their fruit. And you can inspect somebody's fruit. And know what their view is inwardly. As the fruit that they bear. And the fruit that they bear is reflective of the root. Amen? And so the roots run deep inwardly. And when those roots run deep inwardly, when you find out what's inward, you know what their view of God is. Your view of God and who He is is reflected to who you are here. And who you are here is reflective of who you are in here. How in the world can we ever get to the place where God has all of us? How did Paul get to the place where he said, Lord, I'm just ready to be a drink offering. You have all of me. How did he get there? I believe it started right here in verse 60. I believe he couldn't get those words out of his ears when he would lay down at night seeing Stephen kneeling there saying, Please don't charge these brothers with sin. I believe that haunted him and haunted him and haunted him and haunted him. What's haunting you today? What's haunting you today? What's haunting your children? Many of us don't need to go find a haunted house this week because we live in one right where we are. It's haunted by foul spirits. Our temple is haunted by things of our past that we've not dealt with. Oh, today, how can you be an ambassador of hope? How can you be that? How can you infect hope in our city? You got to first let it start right here. How do you get that hope? Oh, it's more than signing a little card in secret saying, I want to be. I want to be a Christian. It's rising up and saying, you know what? Though none go with me, I'll still follow. Lord, it's my desire to follow you. As we have gone through this sermon this morning, 
God has a unique word for you. And that is that God wants to have all of you. And it's beyond where we are, engaging beyond there. And in Family of Grace, it'd be our greatest joy to be able to come along beside you and walk with you. I hope that God will continue to strengthen you and equip you and that we can help you in your journey. May the Lord richly bless you until we connect again next week.